0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the ImpactVest podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. I'm Aisha Williams, the founder and CEO of ImpactVest, and along with our guest host, we aim to inspire and motivate towards collective positive global impact to solve our world's most pressing challenges in sustainability. With each episode, we will engage in insightful conversations with global change makers, visionaries, and sustainability activists who wish to build a more sustainable and resilient future. Join us now as we create the future of impact.
1: Hello everyone and happy new year. I'm the founder and CEO of Fest, Ayesha Williams, and we are here with Tasneem Karodia, who is the co-founder and COO of Mittman Zanzi Meat. Tasneem is based in Cape Town, South Africa, and is working alongside her co-founder to revolutionize food systems. So welcome to our podcast, Tasneem. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. Menzanzi Meat is one of our Impactvest portfolio companies and a member of our Impactvest Alliance. And we're so inspired by your work and your motivation. Can you share with us a bit about your interest in sustainability and your journey to revolutionize food systems in South Africa?
2: Absolutely. My journey started when I was quite young. Um, I, I can't tell you exactly what it was, but I definitely read a statistic about methane from you know cattle farming and something about that really hit home and kind of forced me to rethink my diet and and my impact on on the environment and so from early on cut meat out of my diet and gradually moved towards a, a fully plant-based diet because of sustainability reasons and I think from there on I was always quite interested in the food system and thinking about kind of the inefficiencies that exist. Really five years ago, um, started thinking about in my role, I used to work in um, management consulting, so I did a lot of strategy and ops. And I worked across mines and telecoms, but I never really felt like I was having as much of a direct impact as I could. And so I wanted to have more of a direct impact. Always in the back of my mind had this food, and it was this personal journey with food. and started seeing the emergence of alternative proteins, you know, from their beyonds and impossibles and oatly and everything in between, I just got quite excited. And it was this personal interest of mine in food that kind of sparked a passion. I think there was a specific turning point where I had my first Beyond Burger with my brother and my brother was a meat eater. I wasn't a meat eater at the time. And the first thing he said to me after eating it was, you know, I know it's not beef. I can tell that it it is different, but if this was on another menu somewhere else that also had beef, I would still take this one. Um, it is—I know it's the better option. I do want to be a more conscious consumer, and I think that was quite the turning point. That this no longer was an individual choice. I think I could personally contribute to this industry as a whole, and I was really excited to be able to do that um, and and see how my skill set could. Be applied on a broader level and so i started looking at the plant-based space got quite interested in in everything that everyone was doing and really then discovered cultivated meat um, which got me quite excited because i think the one difference is that plant-based is taking plant materials and replicating and making it look and taste and feel like meat whereas cultivated meat is meat is just using a different technology to produce the same meat that you would get. And that got me really excited and and introduced me to this this whole industry and got me excited about doing this in Africa as well. Um, No one was doing it here and I think it's quite often that people overlook Africa on on many dimensions, um, but it also presents a huge opportunity and a different way of being able to think about, about this technology and its application here on the continent.
1: And can you explain to us a bit about the technology behind cultivated meat? Because I think a lot of times when we think about food systems, uh, alternative food systems, we think about plant-based meat, right? And so what is the technology that you're using behind this? And how is it different maybe from other players in the market?
2: So maybe just to start with what cultivated meat is, um, it really is replicating the same process you'd find inside of a cow for for example outside of the cow so our process starts with a biopsy and you we take most of our biopsies from an animal sanctuary out in Grayton that sample is quite small probably the size of a peppercorn it has some fat some muscle we take it back to our lab and process it and really that process is giving the cells in the same nutrients so we say we put it in a media and that's sugars amino acids everything that you would need to grow we keep it at 37 degrees when it's mammal um, so we're working with beef and so keeping it like much like humans we need to be kept at 37 degrees and from there is really monitoring it and it takes about four weeks uh, for the full end-to-end process to produce meat um, and then what you're left with is again as we say it sells from an animal so you're left with with meat um, and that's what cultivated meat is. So different to plant-based in that um, this starts from from animal cells and then plant-based starts from animal plants, um, whether it's soy or um, peas or or, or those kinds of things, those are kind of made into a protein, whereas we're taking a protein and then we're creating a, a product. Um, so that's that's really the process uh, from an end-to-end perspective um, there's a lot of intricacies with that cells are quite sensitive but from um, from an understanding point it's just replicating the same process in terms of kind of our process versus other people we're quite excited about what we've been able to do so we went f- uh, we did about 18 months of r and d to go from cell to a prototype and tasting and that's quite quick. And I think um, we've been able to move quite, quite quickly because of pr- our proprietary processes that we've developed, you know, there's differences and people are looking at this industry in different ways, um, whether it's on a species level or whether it's on how they take the samples and how they replicate those samples. I think we're quite excited because our process we've defined that and refined that process. And now we're able to apply that to any species. And so uh, on an African context, we can always look at local local um, species and also hope to w- work towards providing products to a local market, which would be quite different to, to other players in the market.
1: Yes, and, and I find that fascinating because when we're speaking about uh, alternative proteins and cultivated meat and plant-based meat, um, it, it really is the future of food systems. Um, and speaking about the African context, How do you think creating a technology like yours um, is different within the African context rather than Europe or North America?
2: I think one of the key things is that we don't have as much money as as, um, Europe and the US uh, for a number of reasons, but it does mean that we have to think a bit more creatively about how we go about it. And I think we've done what we've done in a fraction of the cost compared to international players and i think what we've done is is really think again quite creatively about doing it and i'm quite excited that you know in africa we have talent we have infrastructure it's about applying them in a in a different way in south africa we have great um, medical and pharmaceutical industries a lot of this industry started you know on the med- in the medical side and so now it's about taking those learnings and applying it in a food context. And so those things exist. It's about drawing and bringing it into this, in this industry. And I'm quite excited in Africa because I think you can see this in a, in innovation across Africa when you think about FinTech and what we've been able to do with things like mobile money. There's also a leapfrogging of technology um, from a creative standpoint. Um, we've got great uh, FinTech that is really looking at things differently to the rest of the world. And we can do the same here for cultivated meat and other food technologies. And so we're quite excited. I think um, when you have limited resources, you think beyond just what is obvious. And so as one example of what we've done, a part of this process where your cells grow is called a bioreactor or cultivator. Um, That's where the temperature gets controlled. That's where you put all the nutrients, um, because of the sensitivity, you need to do a lot of monitoring um, of pH, O2, CO2, and that allows you to create the cultivated meat. What we've been able to do is been able to look at these big pieces of equipment that cost a lot of money. So if you were to buy, for example, a 20-liter uh, bioreactor off the shelf, you can, you're looking at $450,000. US um, We've, you know got our capacity for 1 20th of that if that um and so we are quite excited about bringing things in uh to this industry that can revolutionize it
1: yes and i know that we're always inspired by the incredible entrepreneurship and innovation on the african continent i i think this industry is really going to bring out so much innovation in terms of food systems and alternative proteins and uh, to be able to really leapfrog technologies, right, and and uh, this is what I really see with with you and your team. It's it's very inspiring to see the applications of, like you said, to be able to leverage medical technology in different fields, right, and in terms of being able. Um, to bring the taste of real meat to cultivated meat? I I know there are many members of the audience who may be interested in uh, moving more into this space, um, but but it's always the taste, right? And, and, And how did you solve this challenge within your team to really bring the taste of meat to the cultivated meat space?
2: I think it's really important Um, to think about the end consumer. Who is it that's eating this? So maybe as a starting point, I'll say I'm vegan and I haven't eaten meat. (laughs) Up until last year, I hadn't eaten beef in 15 years until I ate our product, Um, which means that I'm not the target audience. But a lot of our team members do eat meat. And I think it was quite important to have a variety on the team that could taste and really understand. I think it, it all comes down to this product only works if it is exactly like meat from a taste, texture, aroma. And so I think what, you know, different to plant-based, we're quite lucky because at the end of the day, what we produce is meat. Um, It is the actual cells from an animal. I think um, for context for everyone else in where the technology is, we're growing fat and muscle separately. And so when it comes out of those bioreactors, we still have an unstructured mass, and so it has to get put. It has to be blended with something that can allow for structure, and so we are blending it with a plant-based component. So our our current prototypes are fifty percent cultivated uh, mass and fifty percent plant-based, and so then there is definitely a consideration for how do we get the 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 texture when it's not a fully 100% cultivated meat product, taste, texture, and aroma all to work. I think what was quite interesting when we did initial testing, we tasted the cultivated mass without any plant-based component. And some of the initial feedback we got from our um, our partners who, who know meat very well, they're meat scientists, um, and understand on a molecular level what's needed for meat, their initial comments were... Um, you know, minced meat, um, same mouthfeel and, and kind of aroma. And that was quite interesting because on its own muscle tasted like meat. And then it was really important when we combined it with a plant-based to not lose that. And so what I found was quite interesting is that when we cooked it with a plant-based component, um, you got more juiciness and flavor than you get from other plant-based products. And so very, very useful to be able to kind of see things separately and then combine it with the right ingredients to get that flavor profile right. Um, We're quite lucky with the you know, people that understand food science and food technology who can help us along that journey. The ultimate goal is to get to one hundred percent cultivated meat. So, when you're working with one hundred percent cultivated meat, you don't have to worry about, you know, is it the same taste? It's it's again one hundred percent of cells from an animal, um, so it will taste like meat.
1: And how do you see this industry scaling within South Africa and across the African continent and um, even in into foreign markets? Um, and do you feel like the adoption of your product is going to take hold or is, is taking hold uh, because it requires kind of shift in thinking about food systems, right? So how, how do you see the scaling within South Africa to, to start?
2: In terms of what we've seen from a consumer sentiment point of view in South Africa, I think it's quite interesting. Um, in Africa as a whole, there isn't a lot of data on on consumer sentiment, especially plant-based or cultivated meat. It was a very new concept, you know, two three years ago. Now there's been some research done into um, South Africa, but also other African countries. Um, in South Africa in particular, a study that was done to see consumer sentiment for cultivated meat um, said that 53% of respondents would purchase cultivated meat when it was readily available at a higher price point, which is quite interesting because I think, and a lot of the reasons that people want to do to try this was they were conscious about the environment, uh, which I was quite surprised about. I I thought there would be other reasons before maybe environment, but I think there is a shift in general across the world. And it's it's even been experienced in South Africa where people are conscious about what they're doing. I think they don't have the best alternatives for, for what they're looking for. And I think some people, I think in South Africa meat is very cultural and traditional and there are parts of plant base that maybe don't taste exactly like meat. And so people are still a bit skeptical. They're quite interested in something that is exactly the same. And so we do have a lot of conscious consumers We've spoken a lot to, besides the survey, we've also spoken to a lot of food producers or people in food service who have an intimate understanding of people that eat meat and they are quite aware of their consumers' interests in moving to something more sustainable. And so anecdotally as well, we know that there's demand for this. And so we are very excited that we move to commercialization, that people will have this. I think across Africa, the products that we go to market with will be a bit different um in south africa burgers work for a certain demographic but we will also need to think about what other products work for what people want Um, we need we needed something that would go on what we call a braai a barbecue it's very big culturally in south africa so that's why a burger and the next product would be sausages Um, the next variant of that in Africa could be things like enriched soya products or soya chunks. I think we we need to think about how do we scale this into the rest of Africa and what are what are consumers wanting? It's a lot of research we need to do there. On a global scale, I think it is quite interesting. South Africa benefits from a lower cost base. We're really starting to think about what does it mean to be competitive in a global market. Where do we start competing on it? Technological standpoint, and so we're thinking about licensing our tech globally, uh, which would showcase that we're what we're able to do here has global applicability, which we're also quite excited about.
1: It is definitely a very exciting industry uh, to support and and to be part of. I think for you in your in your team, right um, and how is the process of being able to collaborate with other entrepreneurs and companies who are also in this space, right? Because and, but like you said, it, it takes really speaking with customers uh, to be able to really educate about this space and and it takes maybe lifestyle um, choices and, and, and it really is a space that... Uh, is the future of sustainable agriculture and food systems. And so how has been your experience actually speaking to different companies and other entrepreneurs to be able to possibly work together to, to scale the space and to be able to really build the future of this industry?
2: From an industry perspective, I think one of the things that we've benefited from is having avenues like um, the Good Food Institute. They were quite instrumental in helping us gain our initial knowledge base, but also access to a lot of resources from investor lists to technological papers that our team could look at. And so across the board, that's been a very supportive place. It's also allowed us. Webinars have allowed us to interact with other people. And so I think what we benefit from is being quite regionally isolated. And so a lot of other cultivated meat companies don't necessarily see us as as competition. We're operating in a different market. And so there's, as much as there can be, a lot of sharing, which has helped us quite tremendously. And so I'm I'm really happy about the networks that we've been able to establish. From a local perspective, I think what's interesting is also you know, there aren't lots of cultivated meat companies, but there are lots of entrepreneurs and we've tried to tap into the biotech entrepreneur space. Um, what we've been lucky about is that we where we work is in a co-working lab. There's a, a lab called BioCity, and they're they're open to people in biotech. And so we've been able to establish networks within that space. We've got our own dedicated space, but we also have shared space, and so we get to interact with other people in biotech and learn a lot from. And that really has allowed us to also think outside of just our particular industry, but how do we apply other industries' knowledge to our process? And so it's been an, an incredible learning uh, from other people and especially coming from the background that I have, learning more about tech, um, having people closer to you that, that are open and able to share is, has been quite incredible
1: it's 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 a fascinating industry and also what about supply chain maybe challenges that that you face because you stated that um, a large part of this industry is inspired by or coming from the medical industry and so you share the same supply chains right and so how have you dealt with these these challenges and how do you seek to overcome uh, the possible challenges that that you may face there in in terms of just, supply chains in the medical industry um uh, since since a lot is is shared between the two industries
2: i think what um we've had to think a lot about especially because we're also trying to make this a food product so we can't just rely on medical grade or pharmaceutical grade because that really increases the price quite a bit Um, but in the short term the infrastructure that ex- existed and the supply chains that have existed were helpful because we, when we weren't as price sensitive, when we were just doing initial mm-hmm. R&D, we could tap into an existing infrastructure because it existed. I think the long-term plan has always been to how do we localise our own supply chain. And so we've worked with a number of partners who, again, different industries are working on different applications of a technology. But, for example, on the media front, we've worked with a few people who could look at doing media and expressing proteins that are needed in the media. And so it's really part of our core strategy to localize that production. It also, one, eliminates the risk to of supply chain disruption, but it also allows us to control costs a lot more if they're locally based than internationally based. Um, I think for us, creating redundancy in that system has always been important. So having a number of suppliers where everything is also helpful. Um, and so I think we continue to look at localization as as we progress.
1: And Tasneem, I would really like to congratulate you and your team um, for all of the success that you've had. I know that you've been involved in a number of competitions and won awards. So can you tell us a bit about
2: this? Absolutely. So one of the big competitions that we won um, – towards the end of last year was a food tech program competition, uh, sponsored by a company called Anza capital. And I think the key thing in South Africa and Africa, um, for food tech is really thinking about sustainability as the, at the forefront. And so we, we entered this pitch competition where we were able to share kind of our views on the next generation of food. And we were quite excited to actually win, um, in that program, there were a lot of amazing companies that were looking at all kinds of things related to food. So whether it was data analytics and technology to improve yields to people that were thinking about how do you start to eliminate waste in a in a more productive way using technology. And we were quite excited to be able to showcase what we were doing um, and, and win that competition. And so we've got a great relationship with Anza and we're working through kind of they're looking at investing in us and so we're quite excited about that and in terms of another competition that we're quite excited about was called the one creation um it was really looking at uh, it was an international competition european based and they looked at it was a you could they accepted global applications they looked at companies who were innovating in in a sustainability space, also related to food. And we were quite excited to also get the prize there. Um, we became second, so we were quite excited about that. And we continue to look at how do we amplify our global presence. And so that was quite helpful in doing that and showcasing that what we're doing here has global applicability.
1: So that's been really exciting for us. That is very exciting, Tasneem. And I'm I'm always very happy for you and your team to see your updates and hear about all of your progress. And where do you see yourselves in a couple of years in terms of scaling and the industry in general?
2: In terms of Nsanzi, I think the biggest goal to um, my co-founder that always kind of our vision has been to displace conventional meat with a more sustainable product and something that's um quite driven by animal welfare and so we're hoping to displace the conventional meat with cultivated meat products in three to five years hoping to get to price parity so it's be able to allow this product to be on shelves in retail and accessible to most people is the ultimate goal Across Africa, the goal really is to also think about food security and closing the protein gap. And we hope that uh, with attraction on price, we can actually start thinking about products that would work in other markets to solve that goal. I think from an industry perspective, I think we're getting to a very exciting part of the industry. People are thinking about scale and are starting to think about commercialization. And so for those who don't know about the industry, we um, this industry really started just before 2013, and in 2013 there was the first burger, cultivated burger made, it was part of a research project in the Netherlands, and from there there's been a few companies where now in 2015 there were four, now in 2022 there's over 100 companies, so the industry's grown quite a bit. What's even more interesting though is that Up until now, it's just been research and development. And over the past three to four years, many more people have showcased more product. And so people are starting to scale, which is very exciting. More consumers are starting to taste this. So getting consumer feedback is becoming more readily available. And the next part is the commercialization. So up until, well, actually still, there's only one company in the world that has sold cultivated meat. And we're now in a phase where regulatory approval is starting to change. And so there's companies in the U.S. that have, um, are closer in um, making progress with the FDA and the USDA to sell, and we're starting to see a lot more movement on that tra- traction in general. So it's it's starting to get there, and we, we hope to also be in the next few months be ready to make a sale as well.
1: Well, I'm fully confident that you will be able to reach your goals. We are behind you and supporting you and your team at Nzanzi Needs and uh, very excited about the future of the industry and the future of your company. And it's quite an exciting time to be able to really show food systems that can very much support building a better future here, I think especially on the African continent, but throughout the the world, I think that this is what we need to rethink our food systems and what is really needed um, to be able to support the future that we all want to live in. Right. So thank you very much, Tesmine for being a guest on our podcast. Um, it was really inspiring listening to your journey and all of your future goals and we wish you the best.
2: Thank you so much, and thanks for the opportunity to share. I think it's it's starting to, as an industry, gain more traction, and these platforms are super helpful for um, shedding light on on what we're doing and where this industry is going.
0: Thank you, Tasneem. Thank you everyone for listening to the Impact podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. Join us next week for another episode and become part of our Impact newsletter community where you will receive all of the latest updates about our work in this new era of innovative impact finance. See you next week as we create the future of finance at Impact